Hello. You probably clicked on this video because you want to start using your brain. No, 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 you can't do that. <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> my cat was about to eat my mic because it's furry. Today I am binge-chilling with my cat, with my document spread open in front of me because I have memory loss issues in my 20s. Um, so let's talk about critical thinking. We are gonna critically think in this episode, okay, you guys? I don't know about you guys, but to me, the words critical thinking uh, gives me low-key PTSD uh, because we used it in English class all the time, you know. Critical thinking skills. Okay, now time for some critical questions. Critical thinking questions. And so it's just like whenever I hear critical thinking, I low-key want to barf inside my mouth. But, but like you realize, you know, the things that you learned at school like are actually useful, like they were actually something beneficial, like something you had to ponder and stuff. And so today I want to, more than anything, untraumatize the experience for you, you know, um, make you see the nice side of it, because it is nice. You just have to let go of your student trauma and then you'll be fine. Now let us dumb down the concept, because if you ask me, you know, some time ago, if you asked me, what is critical thinking? I'd be like, I don't know. Don't ask me that. That's a disgusting question. But now, you know, I kind of do, even though I Googled it so I can get the definition, but because I just want to precisely give you what it means. So critical thinking is asking a question to figure out things that are not surface level, to go deeper than the question itself, to figure out anything that's embedded inside like your interpretations of a certain thing or the biases that may be involved. You analyze everything that is in the back room so that you can make a better judgment out of something. That's why when you're making a big decision, you have to critically think. If you're moving somewhere, if you're going to a new school, if you're getting a new job, if you're doing anything that's like a big step, you have to critically think about it. You know, you have to think deeper than the situation itself. That's critical thinking in a nutshell. And so you can imagine how actually important this is. Uh, it's important. Yeah, uh, but not, not in the way that I think it was brought up in school all the time. Like we usually associate, or at least I do, I associate critical thinking with stories and literature and like events and stuff like that. But then you can apply critical thinking with literally everything else, you know, and like the most basic stuff. Like if you're, you know, at a crossroads at something in your day-to-day -day life, like, you know, should I get the burrito or should I get the taco? Use your critical thinking, <laughs> you know. Okay, maybe that was a dumb example, but like it, you get the idea. Like it's, it's an everyday thing that we can apply, but we have been shaped to think that it's only in the world of depth, in the worlds of depth, like philosophy and literature and all of these things. Okay, am I using my cats for views and likes? Maybe, but that's not important. So I wanted to get to the core essence of critical thinking and what I think it's made up of. What do I think critical thinking is made up of? Questions. Just questions. You ask questions.
That's it. That's it. You can exit this video right now. I gave you the answer. Questions. I was thinking of titling this video, Ask the Right Questions, but I was like, no, people aren't going to find that interesting. They're going to read that and they'll be like, what does that even mean? You know? But when I say critical thinking, it's like, oh, I heard about that. But not many people even know what critical thinking is, so I don't know why people would click on that either. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is questions is the juice. It is the entire juice of critical thinking. It's asking the right questions. Well, first, you just have to start by asking questions, you know. In the beginning, your questions can be dumb. They, they will they will be dumb. I'll be honest. Spoiler alert. They'll be very dumb. But with time, with honing, with experience, with having seen a lot of things, your questions get better and better and better. You start to ask the right questions after you have seen more and more. And as you see and deal with more people in life, you start to ask the right questions. You know, questions that you five years ago would never even have thought of. Because to ask the right questions, you need to know what you value. You need to know what is important to you. You know, you need to know the things that you haven't figured out yet completely. And so those things aren't like light, fun topics. Those things require you to sit down and like actually use your brain cells, you know? And like with the age of social media, I don't think we do that very much. Whenever we get any uncomfortable thought, we just go on our phones, just open Instagram and start scrolling. You guys think we use critical thinking while we scroll? No, we actually go in the negative plane. We start using the opposite of critical thinking. I don't, surface thinking, I don't know, I had uncritical thinking, but you're, you, I hope you see my point, is that we have switched off the skill for our comfort, or I guess trying to avoid the discomfort, and our seek for pleasure, because critical thinking actually takes energy. You know, it actually makes you sit down. It actually makes you question. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, it doesn't matter. But, like, it helps you get to an answer. See, when you ask the right questions, you ultimately formulate an answer. And if depending on how complex your question is, you know, there are no right answers. It's only an answer that you feel correlates with you and your principles and values and everything that you stand for. Because an answer can differ from person to person with the same given question. It really just depends on the person and their values. Like if you ask me, what is my purpose in life? And you ask a non-Muslim, what is your purpose in life? They would be two very completely different answers. Now in my way of view, in my way of life and living, in my point of view, I'm going to be like, their answer is wrong. They're going to do the same thing. They're going to look at me and say, your answer is not like my answer. You know what I mean? Like, my purpose, me personally, if I were asked that, I'd be like, to worship Allah. Point blank, period. That's it. You know, but if you ask a non-Muslim, they'd be like, to do something that makes me happy. For example, you know, those two are on very different planes. But to a third person... Nothing is like set in stone. There's no right answer to the third person. 
you know, they're just mere points of view or opinions or ways of living. Now, here's the thing. Whenever I talk about something like, um, you know, I think people are wrong in something, uh, a lot of people try and come to me to tell me, no, have an open mind, have an open heart, be open, accept people. And I get that. I used to be that, actually. I used to be like, love everyone. And yeah, to an extent. But then, like, also, you do have to stand for something. Like, you do, like there is no living and not having an opinion, like, not having a point of view, thinking that something is correct and then something else is wrong or incorrect. Do you know what I mean? This is just a side note. I don't know. My brain just decided to go there for a second just to clarify some things. Like, we're not being harsh or anything. We just, like, actually have, like you know, a way of thinking, like we, we already sort of kind of, in a way, in a very brief, oh my god, did I just show my ankle for free? That was so scary. Oi, podcast people, you have nothing to worry about. It's because we believe so firmly in what we believe, that like, we know it to be right. And that's our point of view. You know, like, it's disrespectful to come and say, no, have an open heart. It's like, no, this is what I believe. I can believe what I can believe. You can believe what you can believe. Like, a person doesn't have to be open like that for you to listen to their point of view. You know, I think those two things are very misconstrued. Like, a wise person can have their, you know, standpoints, their ways of thinking and believing and having their idea of right and wrong. Nothing makes them unwise when they have that. I don't know, it's just this Western way of thinking and their philosophies that is like seeping into, I don't know, just speech, you know? But I I digress because I can talk about this for hours. This is literally not the subject of the video. Now, I talked about the importance of questions. Asking the right questions because it helps you in critical thinking and the more you ask questions the better your questions get and the more you are able to formulate an answer to these questions and if the question is better you guessed it your answer has the probability of being better okay but there is something that I wanted to touch on which is cray cray are you guys ready okay so when I wanted to make this video episode the first thing I wanted to mention was the Quran because that's like my favorite thing to bring up all the time because it's literally a miracle just like sitting, chilling at our houses, you know. But there's another aspect to the Quran that we do not talk about. There's a lot. But one of them is the questions asked in the Quran. Now, if you know the Qur'an, if you have read the Qur'an, if you have any idea, you know that it asks questions. You know, it, it asks questions of all sorts and sizes and lengths and, and ideas. It always asks the reader questions. It even challenges the reader, you know, to think, to make another Qur'an, to find something bigger than Allah. It asks you questions that make you go out of reality. You know, it asks you supernatural questions, you know. But the most notable thing about the Quran and its way of asking questions is that these are not regular questions. Almost all of them 
are rhetorical questions. You know, and rhetorical questions in the world of literature are a device used to make the reader think. You know, normal questions try and elicit a response from the person that is being asked the question, regardless of whether, you know, the asker knows the answer or not themselves. For example, in a classroom, when the teacher asks, why did the character do this? 99.9% of the time, the teacher knows what the answer is. You know, if they're not a good teacher, though, expect them not to know. But they know the answer, and they're still asking the question, but they're still trying to elicit a response. But rhetorical questions, what they do is that they try to emphasize a point. They're trying to make a point out of a specific situation or a story, whatever it may be. But more than that, more than trying to make a point, it's trying to make you think. It's trying to make you ponder. It's trying to make you think critically sorry, about the situation, about what is going on. That's like the juice, guys. That's it. That's it right there. Because remember when I talked about the definition of critical thinking? I was talking about how critical thinking is like there's parts behind a question. You know, there's different perspectives. There's views. There's biases. There are different interpretations. There's so much. You know what I mean? Because it's like a pie. And you cut it in like an infinite amount of pieces. Because critical thinking tries to take into account all of these different things that are working on the back end. I don't know if you guys, if any of you are programmers, you know how there's front end and then there's back end? Critical thinking is like just chilling and vibing and going deep into and debugging the back end. That's what critical thinking is, okay? I know that was a very lame example, but I'm trying, okay? (laughs) Now, there are a lot of questions in the Qur'an that I'm not even going to try and get into. Uh, But there are two specific instances that I would like to point out. In Surah Al-Rahman, there is this ayah that gets repeated 31 times. And it translates into, Then which of your Lord's favors are you going to deny? 31 times this question has been asked throughout the chapter. And in between these questions... You know, in between each verse that asks this question, it's talking about all of the favors of Allah. You know, and I love this use of a rhetorical question. This is one of the best devices of a rhetorical question is that Allah is literally listing the favors for you. And then he's asking, so what are you denying? All of these favors that you see with your own eyes that you can perceive with your brain what are you denying it's rhetorical because people at some point do get ignorant of the fact that they have so much and they they are gifted with so much and yet they don't see it even though it's right in front of their eyes it's one of those questions that makes you realize like really how dumb a human being can be not not in a shameful way, but like just as a human being, the way that we're built, the way that we are, how limited we are, we tend to forget. We're forgetful. That makes us ignorant, in a sense. That makes us lose and forget. It goes back to gratitude, how we're supposed to be grateful for everything that we have. 
We're supposed to appreciate and acknowledge all that we have, and yet we don't. And so Allah is asking, and which of your Lord's favors are you denying? You know what I mean? This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. This goes into a whole other chapter. Surah Al-Rahman is something that can take hours and hours to explain. But I love the way that it's repeated 31 times. And then all the favors are listed. Not even all, dude. Not even 1%. Not even... There's an insurmountable amount of favors that we are blessed with. You know? And that's part of the irony of it. Is that... We cannot deny it, yet we can't count it. Isn't that cray-cray? Anyway, the next question takes us to a different part of the Qur'an. It takes us to a chapter called Surah Al-Takwir, which also means overthrowing or the darkening or the rolling. And there's something about the Surah that First of all, it gives you chills, but also it's one of the few chapters that made the Prophet ﷺ gray-haired. It made him gray-haired because it depicts and describes what is going to happen on the day. The day. <laughs> there is no need to emphasize what that day is. We all know what that day is, guys. If you don't know what that day is, I'm talking about... Um, the day where we are going to not be here anymore, you know, in a light, fun way. But it's not so light and fun in any way. Okay, I'm no longer going to be mysterious. This day is talking about the day of resurrection, when we're all going to be resurrected, okay, to put it lightly. So it talks about the context in the beginning. I'm going to read it all in English because, you know, Getting into the Arabic, you get lost sometimes, even though it's so much more beautiful. You know, but if you would like to do it at your own time, it's the 81st chapter in the Quran. So it says, when the sun is put out, and when the stars fall down, and when the mountains are blown away, and when pregnant camels are left untended, and when wild beasts are gathered together, and when the seas are set on fire, and when the souls and their bodies are paired once more, and when the baby girls buried alive are asked for what crime they were put to death, and when the records of deeds are laid open, and when the sky is stripped away, and when the hellfire is fiercely flared up, and when paradise is brought near, on that day, each soul will know what deeds it has brought along. And so the chapter continues like this. It talks about all of these things that are going to happen, and it talks about how Allah swears by this. 
he swears by the receding stars and the night as it falls and the day as it breaks. This is like we're seeing it every day. Like it's going to happen. You know, it's it's written in a way where you're almost living it before it even happens. And then after all of this, Allah asks, فَأَيْنَ تَذَبُونَ so where are you going? You know, and this ayah, this question, being so rhetorical in and of itself, you can take it in and out of context, and it'll be just as heavy. So where are you going? On that day when all of that is happening, on that day when a mother doesn't even care for her child, on that day when mountains are going to be upside down, where are you going? This question makes you check yourself. It's one of those questions that stops you in your tracks and makes you think about every single thing that you do in your life. Like every single thing. You leave nothing behind. Because at the end of the day, the question is asking, where are you going? With each decision that you make, with every step that you take, where are you going? Oh my God, that rhymed. That's crazy. This also goes to show how the Quran asks the most uncomfortable questions. You will not find more uncomfortable questions than in the Quran. Muslim or non-Muslim reading the Quran, they're both going to be really uncomfortable by the questions that are being asked. Because they're logical questions. They're questions that actually make you think about your life and questioning where you came from and questioning where you're going and questioning why you're even here. And so when someone asks you these questions, you're like, chill, no need to get so like deep. Just live life. Like, just have fun. Like, why are you asking these questions? It's because these questions are uncomfortable and everyone's trying to avoid them. But here's the thing. When you don't answer these questions, when you leave these questions in the dust room, just collecting dust and you're not acknowledging them, you're not even looking them in the eye, you're trying to avoid them for as long as you can, or you try to convince yourself that we're just on a floating rock somewhere and we're just chilling and there's nothing really, no purpose to anything at all. When you try to do that, and death gets closer and closer, you're not going to be thinking like that. You're, you're going to have a really hard time believing yourself. You're going to have a hard time believing what you used to tell yourself, that we're just on a big floating rock. Because as you reach death, the closer and closer we are to our due date, to the time that we're just leaving, and we don't even realize what that means, by the way, because we're human beings. Like, don't even try and bring up the concept of morality because all we've ever known is being alive. How are you going to try and introduce this concept of death to a person when they've never even tasted it or they never even felt what it feels like? It's like me describing to you what it's like to taste from your fingers. Touch food and you're going to taste it. It makes no sense. It makes no sense because we don't know you know, but the closer the death comes and approaches, the more we're actually going to start to think about these questions. You know, so it's not good to leave them aside, put them aside, try to ignore them, and maybe they'll go away. 
these questions are staying, and they're staying for a good long time. Despite these questions being so uncomfortable, they're also the perfect guide. And I'm not even talking from a religious sense anymore. I'm talking just to do good in this life, like just to have a good life, a good productive life. These questions are the only questions that you should be asking. They are the questions that you should ponder late at night and when you wake up. These are the questions that you should be best friends with. You're not supposed to avoid these questions. These questions aren't supposed to make you uncomfortable, despite how it may seem. But because we've gotten almost desensitized, we've gotten, I guess, distracted. You know, we're putting our attention to other things. And so we think these questions are extra, extra work. Maybe I'll think about it in my free time. You know, I'll get some philosophy on the side. And the thing about these questions is that they're very renewable. You can keep asking them over and over and over, and you will keep getting different parts of an answer. See, because when you're trying to formulate an answer to these questions, it's not just a one-time answer, like that's it. No, you're making an answer over time. And this answer is like your life. You can show for it by showing your life and what you've done and where you've been. We almost are the answer, not to get like deep, deep, deep into it, right? But we are inevitably the answer. These questions are just trying to help us make better decisions. But at the end of the day, our actions, what we do, who we are, they're the answer. We are the answer. They're just different answers. Remember how I said there are no right answers? They're just different answers. But then you see which one works better, and you start to compare, and not in like a weird way, not in, in a negative light, but you start to compare in terms of efficiency and efficacy and all of these things. And you start to see what is more truthful, what is more realistic, what makes more sense, what is more productive. And that is nearer to a better answer because that is what we want. We want something better, not something mediocre. And fun fact, you guys, I read somewhere, it's not important where, okay, but I totally, definitely remember reading somewhere that more emotionally intelligent people tend to ask why more. You know when you're in your car and something weird happened at work or at school and you just ask why? You know, why did that happen? Or why did that person do that? Or why did I act this way? If you do that, congratulations, you are more emotionally intelligent. But if you try to tune that out, you know, and put something else to not deal with the question or even formulating an answer or even just thinking about it in a general sense, if you try to just ignore it and avoid it and put it off and maybe it'll go away, no, you're not very intelligent. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I am the judge. I get to make the rules, guys. You are not very emotionally intelligent. Sorry. Uh, but that's what the internet says. So, you know, that has nothing to do with me. It's just what I saw and what I'm spewing out without having seen if it was actually accurate or not. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is asking more questions never hurts. Just ask more questions. 
and it can be the dumbest questions, but then you'll get better at it. And you're eventually going to start asking better questions. Questions that will help you figure yourself out. Questions that will make you look at things in a different way. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to let go entirely of your viewpoint because everyone stands for something and you have a specific way of seeing things. I'm not telling you to be a, a white piece of A4 paper. That's what it is. People who have no judgments, who have no opinions, no nothing, you know, who are so-called so open-minded are literal pieces of A4 paper. You know, I'm not going to say what color that piece of paper is because that's not, you know, important. But I'm just saying that they are like that, you know. Whereas us Muslims, we're like A3 paper and Christians, A5 paper. The size doesn't matter. I'm just giving an example. And then Jews, A6 paper. I actually don't know what the sizes are. A3 is the bigger one, right? That doesn't make sense. Why would they do that? Why won't A6 be bigger? That's weird. Anyway. Have your way of seeing things, you know. But when you ask more questions, you just get to see it from your, diff from, well, you still see it from, you know, your way of perceiving the world, but in a much deeper sense. For example, I look at things from an Islamic point of view, from an Islamic lens, right? But that doesn't stop there. It's not just because I know that everything came from Allah and, you know, everything I see is from the blessings and favors of Allah. It stops there. As I learn more and more and more, as I see more, my viewpoint actually gets deeper. And it actually morphs with time. Not to become something different. To be bigger. To encapsulate bigger things. To take into account things that I didn't take into account before. Because... I'm asking more questions. As you ask more questions, you get more answers. These answers start to fill some voids. They start to fill some gaps. And that's what's important. You don't want to have that many gaps. You know, you want to fill the gaps because the more gaps you have filled, the more complete the picture is. And the more complete the picture is, the more in tune you are. And it just gets better from there. And so why don't we ask questions? I don't know. That's just... <laughs> That's my question for the day. Whoa, calm down right now. That's it, guys. That was today's episode. Wow, I love how I ended my video about questions with a question. I did not even plan that. That was so good. It was okay, but I'm trying to just hype myself up. Anyway, I hope you guys liked this episode. This was a very chill episode, but it was just something that came up to my brain that sprung to my brain. I was questioning, and I questioned about questions. I was meta-questioning. Isn't that crazy? Uh, and even he finished his sleep. Oh, no, he's continuing. He's, he's not done. He just changed angles. Um, anything you want to say? No, no, stop licking it. He keeps trying to lick the furry part. It's not about that. Anyway... Oh, God, it smells. Anyway, I hope you guys have an amazing day. And I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. I love you. I love you. Okay, have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.